Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here. Cleveland and Detroit, two proud American League cities, have their representatives involved tonight on a pretty but somewhat chilly evening at Tiger Stadium. Sparky Anderson's 84 Tigers, a one seed, have drawn the plucky 11 seed from this region, Mike Hargrove's 1995 Indians. Josh Lewin with you. We are in quarterfinal action now, the Elite Eight of this tournament. One of these teams will go forward and face the 04 Red Sox, who just recently took down the 91 Twins. We are indeed in the year 1984 for the home team, and the Bless You Boys season was a special one that saw the Motor City Kitties race out 35-5. We'll get to them in just a bit, but first, how about the team that actually had an even better win percentage than the 84 Tigers? The 95 Indians played in a strike-shortened season, but went an amazing 144 before bowing out to the Braves in late October. Bob Costas called that World Series and shares his recollections of that Cleveland ball club. In the 90s, Cleveland had wonderful teams. John Hart was farsighted, one of the first to figure out, we'll sign these guys long-term, tie them up before arbitration. We'll try and maximize that window where our players peak together. When you look at that lineup, it was absolutely hellacious. Albert Bell and the young Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez and Kenny Lofton, who was such an igniter, what a dynamic player he was, and Omar Vizquel at shortstop and Carlos Baerga, who was no slouch offensively at second base. They were a darn good team that had only adequate starting pitching. That was their relative weakness. Mm-hmm. The Braves were in the midst of that 14 consecutive division series, uh, division uh, winning run. And this was the only time that they managed to seal the deal, to close the whole thing out. And you could make a case that the 95 Indians were actually among the toughest teams that the Braves ever faced in a postseason, but they managed to beat them in six games when uh, Tom Glavin threw a masterpiece in game six, eight one-hit innings, and then Mark Wolders finished it out. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, the 95 Indians, after the strike wiped out the first 18 games of the regular season, the Indians showed they were the team to beat. Mike Hargrove got him to 33-11 and 11 in mid-June, 46-21 and 21 at the All-Star break. They had a 12-game lead at that point in the Central. 23-year-old Manny Ramirez, a first-time All-Star. There were tons of other All-Stars. Kenny Lofton, Carlos Baerga, 
Albert Bell, they were all starters. Dennis Martinez, who will pitch tonight in as a reserve. They had future Hall of Famers Jim Tomey and Eddie Murray in the lineup. They had the NL Cy Young Award winner from 88, Oral Hirschheiser. 100 games out of 144 in the win column. They ended up winning the Central by 30. The Indians then swept the Red Sox. They outlasted Seattle in the ALCS to get to that World Series. Good ALCS. So we've talked about the, the memorable World Series loss to Atlanta. Dave Justice homering off Jim Poole in Game 6 for the only run of that deciding game. But the ALCS, remember the Mariners were riding the momentum of their incredible comeback to beat Don Mattingly and the Yankees in the division series. And in a terrible piece of scheduling, it had been predetermined that the AL West would have home field advantage for the LCS. So even though the Indians were way better in the regular season than Seattle, the Mariners had the first two home games. And the Indians had Martinez for game one, El Presidente, up against the rookie Bob Walcott who was very nervous at the outset. He walked the first three batters on 13 pitches, but he got out of it. There was a great diving stop by Joey Corey uh, in the middle of that. In the second inning, Mike Blower's two-run home run put the Mariners up, but the Indians would come back, tie it up. Martinez still in the game. Mariners would take the lead on a Luis Soho double. So the Indians desperately needing game two after losing game one. They rolled out Oral Hirschheiser against Tim Belcher. Scoreless duel through four. Bayerga broke it open with a two-run single. Hirschheiser the win. He became 6-0 with a 1.47 in postseason play at that point in, the, in about 73 innings of work. So pivotal game three now. Extra inning game in the 11th. Jay Buhner, whose error had earlier tied the game up. Sweet redemption with a three-run home run. Mariners take a 5-2 lead. Uh, Norm Charlton pitching in relief, getting the... Uh, the Indians all the way through into the bottom of the 11th. So uh, the Indians definitely needed game four, and they got it. Ken Hill with a 7-0 shutout, series even at two. Game five, tied in the fifth. Error by Albert Bell giving Seattle the lead. Mariners closing in on a 3-2 series lead going home. But Tomey steps up with a man on in the sixth, two-run home run. Indians get the lead back. Mariners had a ton of chances after that. Paul Asamacher got some big outs. Struck out Buhner on a low-breaking ball. Very stoically walked off the mound with 40,000 fans screaming at the top of their lungs. Jose Mesa closed it off in the ninth inning. So, the Tribe needed one win in Seattle to move on to their first World Series appearance since 1954. Dennis Martinez against Randy Johnson, scoreless until the top of the fifth. Error by Joey Cora, allowing Kenny Lofton a single home a run. It stayed 1-0 into the eighth, and then Johnson got submarine. There was a pass ball with two men in scoring position. They both came in, loft in a mad dash from second base. The whole Cleveland dugout running onto the field to celebrate. Bayerga followed with a home run. Everybody just shell-shocked at that point. They had a 4-0 lead with six outs to get. They got it, and Hershiser was series MVP. As we check the leaderboards in 1995, we find no Indians in the top 10 in batting average, but they had four guys in between 11 and 20 on the list. Tony Gwynn led everybody for the Padres, 368. Edgar Martinez next to 356. He had names like Mike Piazza, Dante Bichette, Derek Bell, Chuck Knobloch, Tim Salmon, Bobby Bonilla, Mark Grace, Wade Boggs, the rest of that list. Your ERA leaders in 95. Well, Craig Maddox was a cut above, 1.63. Next was the big unit at 2.48. Then Hideo Nomo, Andy Ashby, Tim Wakefield, Ismael Valdez was sixth that year of the Dodgers. 
guys like Glavin and Joey Hamilton, John Smoltz all on that list. You certainly wouldn't find any 1995 Tigers on the list. Felipe Lira, Sean Bergman, Mike Moore, C.J. Nitkowski need not apply. But why talk about the 95 Tigers when instead we can gloriously discuss their journey of 1984? May 24th of 84, the Tigers had just won their ninth straight game. Jack Morris on the mound. The Tigers were 35-5. and Yup. And they would get swept by the Mariners to wobble down at 35 and 8. In fact, they'd play 500 ball for about the next 40 games. But on their way to 104 wins, wire to wire, uh, they were so strong up the middle. They had all stars at, at the middle infield positions. Lance Parrish had a career high in home runs, the catcher with 33 of them. Whitaker and Trammell up the middle. They played together from 1977 to 1995. Chet Lemon solid in center. Yet Petrie and Wilcox in that rotation. You had the eventual Cy Young Award winner and MVP winner, Willie Hernandez, closing. They had the ageless wonder free agent Daryl Evans, who had been their first free agent signing since Tito Fuentes back in 1977. They got Dave Bergman late in spring training from the Phillies. And also, of course, Willie Hernandez in that deal. So Kirk Gibson, obviously got to talk about him. Breakout year, 27 homers, 29 steals, some huge clutch hits. Their ALCS wasn't nearly as interesting as the 95 Indians was. They quickly dispatched of Kansas City, went right on into the World Series against the Padres, who had just surprised the Cubs, coming from down 2-0 in the best of five. 84 World Series, a rematch between managers, Sparky Anderson in Detroit, Dick Williams in San Diego. They had faced off in 72 as well when it was uh, the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds. But in this one, Two very different cities represented. It was also a battle of sorts between the multi-million dollar American fast food chains. You had Domino's against McDonald's, right? Ray Kroc, who had died several months before the World Series. Uh, he was in charge, or his estate was in charge of the Padres. Tom Monahan, who founded Domino's, was in charge of the Tigers. So the fast food fall classic. That would feature the first ever World Series game at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. The last World Series game ever at Tiger Stadium. Native San Diegan Alan Trammell ended up as the World Series MVP. Let's get back to Bob Costas. He is standing by in the winning Tigers locker room. Nine for 20, including a couple of homers, the MVP. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, I'll tell you what, I wish we could divide it up between all of us. I know that Jack was very deserving, Kirk Gibson. Just one of these things that everybody's been contributing for our ball club. I just happen to have a good series, but uh, it's divided among all of us, that's for sure. Alan, yesterday's ball game, that had to be the thrill of a lifetime. The two two-run homers, the four RBIs. There's no question, but this is even special. Right here, this is what it's all about. We're going to get that ring. This is the most important day of my life. I'm going to celebrate. Well, Alan Trammell, like a lot of the 84 Tigers, didn't have huge regular season stats. You look at the 84 leaderboards, no Detroit players anywhere, really. Well, Trammell was ninth in hitting, hit 314, just ahead of Mike the Hitman Eastler. And uh, actually tied with Ryan Sandberg, also hit 314 that year. They had a couple 315s that season. Buddy Bell in Texas. Uh, you had Chili Davis of the Giants. Lee Lacey above them with the Pirates. Wade Boggs hit 325. Dave Winfield and Don Mattingly, a couple Yankees, both hit around 340. Once again, there was Tony Gwynn at the top of the leaderboard. Just as he was in 95, there he was in 84, hitting 351. Your number one on-base percentage guy in 84? Gary Matthews of the Cubs, very underrated player, a 4-10 OBP. Your home run leader was Tony Armas of Boston. And uh, 
Dale Murphy not far off, Mike Schmidt, Dave Kingman after that, Andre Thornton on the, the top list, Juan Kittle, Tom Bernanski, guys like that. Best ERAs, well, Doc Gooden got a lot of attention with the Mets, didn't he? For good reason. Oral Hirschheiser, obviously, with the Dodgers, still doing it. Rick Roden and John Candelaria. Pirate teammates that year, both had 2.72 ERAs. They were tied for fourth. After that, Mike Boddicker of the Orioles, Dave Steeb, classically, tragically underrated guy. Rick Honeycutt, Burt Blylevin, and the Expos' Charlie Lee, L-E-A. Remember him? He was the 10th best ERA that season. Let's go through some pop culture real quick to get you in the mood before we play ball here in 84. Oh, the movies in 84, really? Really, look at this list here. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Karate Kid, Footloose, Gremlins, Red Dawn, Terminator, Nightmare on Elm Street, Beverly Hills Cop, 16 Candles, Romancing the Stone. I mean, that, that was my childhood anyway. On the Billboard music charts, When Doves Cry by Prince, Jump from Van Halen, The Heart of Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis. He said that was in Cleveland. And Detroit, he later shouted out. Sister Christian by Night Ranger, remember that? Purple Rain, of course, more, more Prince. Round and Round by Rat. Eyes Without a Face, thank you, Billy Idol. Some of the uh, historical pop culture events of 84, it's when Apple's famous 1984 launched the Macintosh computer line. Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik, won his first World Wrestling Federation title. This is when Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire, filming the Pepsi commercial. CD players came out for the first time. And Wendy's had us all asking, where's the beef? I can't do a Clara Peller imitation, but th that was the character actress, Clara Peller, who got us all talking about Wendy's for some reason in 84. All right, from Peller to Petrie, let's play some ball now. Dan Petrie's on the mound here at Tiger Stadium, 25 years old. He is the young man of a rotation. It includes Jack Morris, Mill Wilcox, Juan Berenguer, and Dave Rosema. 18 and 8. Decent enough ERA, mid-threes, 144 strikeouts and 233 innings. Almost led the team with those 144 strikeouts. On a team that won 104 games, no Tiger pitcher struck out even 150 batters. Of course, you got to note that the Tigers had the two stud relievers, Willie Hernandez and Aurelio Lopez. They each pitched around 140 innings. Doug Baer gave them nearly 100 innings as well. Morris was a 19-game winner, but... All the attention pitching-wise in 84 was over in the National League, as we talked about with Doc Gooden. The Tigers just did their thing kind of under the radar, and Petrie, a terrific example of that. Kenny Lofton will lead off against him, left-hand batter. Hit 310 this year with seven home runs, and he takes high ball one. We are underway. Howard Johnson is in at third base, guarding against the bunt. Dave Bergman pinches in from first a little up the middle. It's Trammell and Whitaker, of course. And the outfield, you got Gibson in right. Lemon straight away in center. Larry Herndon is shallow in left. As the pitch sails outside, 2-0 from Petrie, who's got the basic four. Fastball, slider, curveball, change. Tigers in their home whites with the old English D on the chest. Big block letters on the back with the last names up above the numbers. Indians in their road blues with the gray pants. Pitch to Lofton is popped in the air towards center field, not deep at all. Chet Lemon in. Chet Lemon has got it. And there's one up, one down to bring up Eddie Murray. Murray, the 39-year-old switch hitter, 
And at 39, 323 hitter, 21 homers, even five steals. This is his second season in Cleveland. Helping the Indians get to their first World Series since 54. Homered in each round of the postseason. And he'll make his final postseason appearance with the Orioles next year, hitting 333 then. He'll finish up his career back in his native L.A., playing for the Angels and the Dodgers, taking outside from Petrie 1-0, the fastball. No one ever played more Major League games at first base than steady, consistent, durable, dominant Eddie Murray. 2,413 games at first, about 600 more as a DH. He swings, he fouls one right at the plate, one and one. 21 big league seasons, he averaged 24 homers, 91 runs batted in. 3,000 hits, 500 homers. Hank Aaron did that, Willie Mays did that. And Eddie Murray now, too. He swings, he rolls one towards short. Alan Trammell right there, loads and fires, got him, two down. So now Albert Bell, and what a 1995 season. Only 143 games played. He still became the first ever 50-homer, 50 50-double 50 man, hitting 317. Albert Juwan Bell, born in Shreveport, Louisiana. His dad, a coach, football and baseball. His mom was a math teacher. And the young Joey Bell was actually a model student and an Eagle Scout. Graduated sixth in his high school class, National Honor Society, was offered an appointment to the Air Force Academy. Swings here, rolls one foul at the third baseline, nothing in one. Now certainly, Bell's personality changed for the worse during his college years at LSU. He just didn't respond well to the pressure of all the predictions of being a top draft pick. Was known for chasing after a fan who was shouting insults at him during an SEC tournament game. He got suspended for the rest of the postseason. Taking here from Petrie, it's one and one as the pitch misses low. But even with all the controversy in college, Bell was selected by the Indians second round in the 87 draft. Debuted in 89, getting his first hit off Nolan Ryan. Struggled a bit, in fact was sent back down in 1990. Taking here, it's called the strike at the knees, one and two. There was an incident when Bell smashed a bathroom sink to pieces in the minors. He was abusing alcohol. He went to rehab for 10 weeks at the Cleveland Clinic and emerged as Albert Bell instead of Joey Bell, looking to start a new life. Taking, and it's low. It's 2-2 two and two now. And really, when Joey became Albert, that's when he started going on the field here. The anger issues were always there. Remember, he threw that ball at a fan in 1991, got suspended for six games. Petrie to the plate, pitches lined, but caught at third base. Howard Johnson, boy, that ball almost knocked him over. But the ball was whistling right at him. He stuck up the glove, he made the play, and that retires his side. No runs, no hits, no errors. Nobody left in the top of the first. The 1995 Indians failed to score. Let's keep it here in 95 as we pause for this.
Well, as for something you can get into right now here in 2020, we always suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the best, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. They've been at it since 1963. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world. Always great service, always a great cup of coffee or tea. Check them out. Remember the name, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Well, Dennis Martinez on the mound in a scoreless bottom of the first. He's 41 years old, very nearly the best ERA in the rotation for the 95 Indians. 24-year-old Chad O.J. finished up at 3.05. Martinez, who made twice as many starts, had a 3.08. 12-and-5 record, and he throws that hard curve that everyone has to be ready to hit. Sometimes he'll sneak a fairly pedestrian fastball by you while you're standing there waiting for that hard-biting curveball. Here's Howard Johnson, the 23-year-old switch hitter at the top of the order, the only switch hitting regular in the lineup for Detroit. Doug Baker and Nelson Simmons make cameo appearances here and there. Johnson, though, 402 plate appearances, hit 248, 12 homers, 10 steals. The Tigers don't run all that much for a team of the mid-80s. The only player with more than even 19 steals, Kirk Gibson had 29. Pitch is a curve to start him out. It's a strike, a beauty from Dennis Martinez. Nothing in one. Some of the fans bundled up a bit here at Tiger Stadium, formerly Briggs Stadium, double-deckered, bright white on the outside. The seats are a faded blue and orange on the inside. There's a fastball to Johnson inside. It's one and one. Got the flagpole in play out there in center field. Everybody looks for the lefties to homer up on top of the roof. Not easy to do, but always fun when it happens. 30 of them hit onto the right field roof over the years. Norm Cash did it most often, did it four times. Pitch to Johnson. Fastball cranked in the air towards center. Back goes Lofton. He'll get there. And Shy hit that flagpole by a good bit. Makes the catch one away. That'll bring up Sweet Lou Whitaker. Left-hand batter hit 289 this year. His double play partner, Mr. Trammell, is in the Hall of Fame or will be in the Hall of Fame. Whitaker, as of now, is not. But for 19 years, Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell formed the longest-running double play combo in the history of baseball. Pitch to Whitaker is low, 1-0. Those two guys were called up to the big leagues from AA on the very same day, played in the, the game at Fenway Park to make their debut on the same day. Both got hits their first big league at bats off the same pitcher, Reggie Cleveland. Incredibly, both got their last hits of their careers off the same pitcher, Mike Fetters. Pitch is in the dirt here, 2-0. And like Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, not a lot of awards to show for his time in the big leagues. Five all-star appearances, four silver sluggers, three golden gloves, two turtle doves. Uh, just not a lot of stuff on his mantle, but he, he was a winning player, absolutely. Pitch from Martinez, a curve, hit on the ground towards second, and there's Alomar. Speaking of gold glovers, and he throws out the other second baseman here, two down. 
No score, first inning. Here comes big Kirk Gibson, 282 hitter, 27 home runs. And another guy whose Hall of Fame credentials really should be discussed. He'll go on to have a 17-year career. Two of the most famous World Series home runs in recent memory off his bat. The three-run upper deck shot off Goose Gossage in 84. And four years later, the walk-off pinch hit homer off Dennis Eckersley for the Dodgers. The stuff of legend. And the legend taking at the knees, strike one. We'll hear later in this broadcast from Oral Hershiser, who's in the other dugout tonight. Of course, Gibby and Oral Hershiser were teammates in 88. Gibson, the NL MVP that year, but he struggled with injuries the remaining seven seasons of his career. And when it came time to vote him into the Hall of Fame, he got 2.5% of the vote in 2001. Had Kirk Gibson stayed healthy, who knows? Here's the pitch. As cranked in the air, deep center field, Lofton on the run, into the alley, in right center, makes the catch. Kenny Lofton, tremendous running play. One great athlete retires another. Gibson, the two-sport star with football. Lofton, it was basketball at Arizona. Arizona has defeated Michigan State here to get us to the end of one. No score between the 95 Indians and 84 Tigers. Let's keep it an 84 and pause for this. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. The clapper. Let you turn things on or off from anywhere in the room. Just plug in the clapper and a television, lamp, stereo, almost anything you want to clap on and off. Clap on. As we get ready for the second inning here at Tiger Stadium, we mentioned as Kirk Gibson was at bat that Oral Hershiser is in the other dugout here. Might as well hear from Oral on Kirk Gibson here. Get a little 88 action going. That's almost the, the midpoint between 84 and 95 anyway here. Talking to Oral Hershiser about his initial impressions of Kirk Gibson. First met Kirk when we got to spring training in 88. Of course, he was a second-look free agent coming out of collusion, and what an impact he made on the team right away. If you think back to even the first spring training game when Jesse Orozco put eye black on his hat and he left the field in a rush because he was upset that there was kind of games being played when a game was about to be played, and Kirk was all about fun, but he was all about when it was time to concentrate and time to compete the only thing you concentrated on was beating the opposing team, and that was from the very first game in spring training. So there was not even a relaxed attitude in spring training. Well, he took that attitude right into the season, and it was a football mentality on a baseball field and a guy that lived what he preached. And the preaching was one thing in the locker room, the camaraderie that we had because of the open communication and wearing our emotions on our sleeve and they weren't rolled up like some people are in a Billy Joel song. He <laughs> laid his emotions out right to the very edge. And Kirk Gibson was a gamer, is still a gamer and what he's fighting in life right now. But Gibby is the kind of teammate that either will live for you and do anything for you or maybe kill you if you don't do the right thing. So that inspiration uh, drove us a long way in 1988. Uh, great memories from Oral Hershiser. Two great guys, two great broadcasters too now. So let's move ahead. A scoreless game to the bottom of the second inning when the Tigers would break through. 
After Chet Lemon flied out and Alan Trammell struck out, Bergman a base hit to left center, Lance Parrish followed up with a base hit, and Larry Herndon scores the first run of the game with a little bloop single to left, made it one to nothing in favor of the Tigers. To the bottom of the third, here's where the Tigers would really get it cranked up. After Hojo at the top of the order struck out, Lou Whitaker base hit to right, Gibson a base hit to right that got Whitaker along to third, Chet Lemon a sack fly, and then Tram, the two-run home run to make it 4 nothing Detroit. So both Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell appropriately contribute in the same inning. A 4 nothing ball game going to the top of the fourth. Let's pick it up there. Albert Bell taking a strike one from Petrie at the knees. And we've been talking Hall of Fame here. If Hall of Fame, if it was only about actual fame, there are a few players from the 90s who generated more headlines than the very enigmatic Albert Bell. 564 career slugging percentage is actually 12th best ever as he takes here in its low one and one. But we mentioned Bell was also the source of all that controversy due to his temper and general disdain for the media. Hannah Storm at the receiving end of a, a diatribe most, family, most famously before the 95 World Series. Pitch coming to Bell. He whacks it down the left field line. That's a fair ball. Into the corner it goes. It'll be chased by Larry Herndon, a quick bobble. He'll get it back in. But it's a double for Albert Bell. He had 52 of those during the regular season to go with the 50 home runs. So he's standing at second base for Manny Ramirez, 308 hitter with 31 home runs. And to continue our who's in, who's out Hall of Fame discussion of all the candidates on the current ballot, maybe none more mercurial or enigmatic than Manny. 312 career hitter, 555 home runs, 19 seasons in the big leagues. Takes outside, it's 1-0. But again, we talk about controversy. Not just Manny being Manny moments, but two suspensions due to positive tests for PEDs late in his career. Swings here and doesn't get it, 1-1. One Manny at 23 had a lot of big moments in this 95 season. Right after the All-Star break against the A's, Indians were down 4-3, two outs runner at second. Dennis Eckersley on the mound for the A's. And Manny took X-2-2 offering, deposited it deep in the left field bleachers to walk it off. Manny's fourth home run of the series in a four-game sweep for the Tribe. That really served notice that this team was just not going to be stopped. Pitch is ladled outside, breaking ball. From Petrie, it's two and one. And this historic regular season put the Indians into the playoffs for the first time since 1954, as we've discussed, matched up against the Red Sox. And despite Manny going 0 for 12 in that series, it was a sweep for Cleveland over Boston. Manny taking high here, it's three and one. Manny did a little more in the ALCS. Hitting star in game two, four for four with a couple of home runs. Next delivery, swung on, popped in the air towards center, not too deep. Chet Lemon on the move a bit to his left, he'll put it away. So it's one on, one out now for an actual Hall of Famer, Jim Tomey. Four nothing ball game here, the 84 Tigers on top. Well, Tomey began a pro career as a 205-pounder who did nothing but slice balls to left. 
A few years later, he'll be a 240-pounder who jackhammers balls into the right field seats. Taking here, and it's outside ball one. Story goes that when Jim Tomey was eight, he marched into the kitchen of the downstate Tomey household in Illinois. He said, Mom, I am never going to work. I'm going to play big league baseball. That good call. It's the guy who would stand in the family driveway for hours as a kid, tossing up rocks and batting them across the street into a field, taking it outside 2-0. Tommy grew up with two brothers who were 12 and 14 years older than he was. And Tommy pretty much spent his entire childhood working to become the athletes that they'd become. Tommy's mother says Jim would ask, for example, how much milk his brothers drank when they were his age. And then Jim would drink three, or three glasses at dinner just like they had, just to prove he could keep up. Swings and drives this one deep but foul down the right side. It's now two and one. Jim Tomey once told that his, his brother Chuck had a 30-rebound game in high school basketball. Jim spent his four-year high school basketball career trying to match that, too. He never quite did, but he was one of the state's top scorers in Illinois high school basketball history. And his dad, Chuck Tomey, a renowned fast-pitch softball player, reportedly got a couple of hits off the legendary Eddie Fainer, leader of the king in his court but never played pro ball, went to work to support the family instead that Chuck Tomey at the Caterpillar tractor plant in Peoria. Pitch coming, and a swing, a base hit in a right field. Albert Bell coming around third. The throw will be cut off as it comes in. Albert Bell has scored, and Cleveland back to within 4-1. to one. So Tomey, who had sent a missile foul down the right field line, able to straighten one out, Line drive single in a right to make it a 4-1 game. Brings up Paul Sorrento now, another left-hand batter. 235 hitter this year. I know that's not a lot, but 25 home runs. Sorrento born in Somerville, Mass., but he played his college ball at Florida State. And on the Tigers' bench is a Florida State Seminole, Johnny Grubb. Look at Grubb, J.D. Drew, Stephen Drew, Terry Kennedy, whose Padres got beaten down here at Tiger Stadium in October of 84. They were all Seminoles. Jody Reed, Deion Sanders, Buster Posey. Pitches high to Sorrento from Petrie, 1-0. Sorrento, former twin, future Mariner, and Devil Ray. He'll end up with an 11-year big league career, getting past 30 home runs once. That'll be in Seattle at 97. He had 31 that year, Edgar Martinez around 30, Jay Buhner 40, Ken Griffey Jr. 56 on that team. Tomey the lead from first, and the pitch. Little dribbler towards White, that'll scoot through, a base hit. Kirk Gibson plays it in, first and second, one out now. Well, a dive from Lou Whitaker, but he just couldn't knock it down. Now a chance for Carlos Baerga. Switch hitter batting 314. 15 homers, 90 runs batted in. You know, we were just talking about Ken Griffey Jr. He made one of the best catches ever in the history of this ballpark, climbing the wall in right center at Tiger Stadium, robbing Luis Gonzalez right at the DTE energy sign. Speaking of energy, Baerga certainly brings that and a wonderful attitude. Swings and hits a high fly foul back this way. It's nothing in one. If you remember that horrible tragedy where Tim Cruz and Steve Olin 
died in spring training of 1993 for the Indians. And the bass boat crashed on Little Lake Nelly. It was young Carlos Baerga who stepped up to meet the media. He, he was nowhere near the scene, but the PR man for the Indians, Bob DiBiasio, was, was looking for a player who could talk to the media, and Baerga said, I'll do it. Pitch is fouled down here third. It's nothing in two. Not a lot of young players will step up on something like that, but Baerga said at the time, I, I had a responsibility to two good people that we had lost. They were part of my life, and I told God, give me words, because I know it's going to be hard for me. And Bayerga was terrific in not his native language. 4-1 ball game. Here's the pitch. Swing, ground ball slowly towards short. On to second for one, and no turn to first base. Sorrento going in hard. So you're going to have runners at the corners, two out now. Still a 4-1 game. It brings up Tony Pena who at 38 still has plenty of energy, too. 262 hitter this year, five home runs. Got the 29-year-old Sandy Alomar Jr. as the other catcher for Cleveland. He hit 300, adding 10 home runs. Solid catchers here for Mike Hargrove, whichever one you want to use. But Pena gets the call now, and he takes outside. It's 1-0. Really interesting resume for Pena, who began as a Pittsburgh Pirate, platooning with Steve Nicosia in the early 80s. Five-time All-Star, World Series champion later in his career, four-time Gold Glover, and then later an AL Manager of the Year for Kansas City. Taking, and it's a strike, it's one and one. Pena hit a walk-off home run with two outs in the last of the 13th inning in the ALDS here in 95 against one of his former teams, the Red Sox. Two on, two out. And Petrie setting at the belt now. He delivers. Swing and a fly ball, right center field. This ball's going to drop. It's going to roll. Two men will score as Chet Lemon chases it in the alley. Finally gets there, gets it in. 4-3 game on a double from Tony Pena. Well, the old man can still do it. 38 years old, and he socks one in a right center, right in between Lemon and Gibson. So he's a tying man now here in the fourth inning. Omar Vizquel, switch hitter to the plate. And here we go again with a borderline Hall of Famer right there everywhere in this matchup. We have the definites like Tommy and Murray and Jack Morris, although even Morris's election took forever. But so many almost worthy guys in this game. Gibson, Hershiser, Bell, Ramirez, Whitaker, Pena is in that discussion. And certainly Vizquel, who eyeballs a strike on the outside. It's nothing in one. Vizquel will eventually coach here in Detroit for these Tigers, but his playing career, you're talking about an 11-time goal glover, and one of only 29 players in baseball history to play in Major League games in four different decades. The only one of those who played shortstop. Pena, pretty good secondary lead off of second base. Now the pitch. Swing a little bloop towards center field. It's dropping. It's dropping. Lemon coming. Diving forward. He can't get it. He knocks it down. Keeps it in front of him. But the run scores. It is now 4-4. Omar Vizquel dunking one down in front of an airborne Chester Lemon. And that's going to do it for Petrie. Doug Bear has been up in the bullpen. 
And we can tell you that when he comes in, he'll get Kenny Lofton on a pop-up to shallow right. A 4-4 game now to the bottom of the fourth. The Tigers retired in order in the fourth inning. Top of the fifth, Cleveland grabs the lead. Murray, a leadoff single. Ramirez would single him along to third. Then with one out, a Jim Tomey sack fly, putting the Tribe ahead 5-4. Bottom of the fifth inning, Tigers tie it up. Gibson, infield single. Ends up scoring on a double up the alley by Chet Lemon. 5-5 at the end of five. Nothing doing for Cleveland in the sixth. So to the bottom of the sixth, all knotted up. El Presidente still on the mound. Lance Parrish, a leadoff single. Larry Herndon reaches on a fielder's choice, erasing Parrish. Darrell Evans reaches on a fielder's choice, erasing Herndon. They just couldn't turn the double play on either guy. So it's simply one on, two out, when Howard Johnson works a nine-pitch walk, making it two on now for Lou Whitaker. 0 for 2 so far. And he swings and misses here for strike one. There's that big curveball from Dennis Martinez. All right, some Hall of, Hall of Fame talk for Whitaker, I guess, since that's become our theme here. His lone year on the writer's ballot, he got 3% of the vote in 2001, so that removed him from future ballots. It was a ballot that had Dwight Evans on it, Steve Garvey, Tommy John, Don Mattingly, Thurman Munson, Dale Murphy, Dave Parker, Ted Simmons. I get it. It was a crowded ballot. Pitch is low. It's one and one. And maybe Whitaker suffered from some recency bias because Trammell and Morris had just been elected by the committee a couple of years before. Maybe that's it as we go forward with Lou Whitaker here. But wins above replacement, 75. That is 49th all-time among position players. You can make a really good argument Lou Whitaker should be in. Pitches in, and it's swung on, bashed in a center, base hit. Here comes Darrell Evans tugging around third. Johnson takes third on the throw in that's cut off. It is six to five Detroit. Well, the Indians, such a great defensive team, they never could turn a double play on the back-to-back -back ground balls here. That thick infield grass at Tiger Stadium may be saving them. And it keeps the inning hot for Lou Whitaker to come through. Six to five Detroit. And it now brings up Kirk Gibson. Kirk with that long blonde hair, the blonde motorcycle cop mustache. Wearing number 23 on his back. The local favorite. The two-sport star we mentioned at Michigan State. Record-setting wide receiver on the football team. Many thought he'd have been a first-round pick in the NFL. Pitch coming to him. Swung on. Deep fly ball. Right center field. Manny Ramirez is back. He's right at the wall. He makes the catch. Right near that overhang. I thought for a moment that the overhang might gobble it up. The first row of seats at Tiger Stadium extends actually over where the outfielders camp out. And sometimes they'll simply be swallowed up before the right fielder has a chance to make that play. But this one somehow stayed under the overhang. And Ramirez, really middle of the warning track, not quite up against the wall, able to haul it in. So that retires his side. But the lead has been grabbed here. It's now 6-5 to five at the end of 6. Let's again move along here to further action. We'll take you into the bottom of the 8th with Eric Plunk now on the mound for the Indians. And looking for the insurance run, they get it. Howard Johnson singling in Evans with two out, no less. So 7-5 now going to the top of the ninth. Little more wiggle room for Willie Hernandez, who you don't figure needs that kind of wiggle room. But when Tony Pena singles the lead off the inning, 
That brought up Omar, Omar Vizquel as the tying man. Omar not known for home runs, but certainly could have kept the line moving. Instead, Willie Hernandez on a screwball, able to get him to pop one in the shallow center. That was a first out. Kenny Lofton flied to medium deep right. Not really a threat to go out, but it looked like maybe a double off the bat. It was not to be. Kirk Gibson went and got it. That left it to Eddie Murray. He grounded out to third, and that would be your ball game. Howard Johnson to Dave Bergman to seal it. Seven runs, 13 hits, no errors for the 84 Tigers. They're moving on. The 95 Indians, an 11 seed. Well, they made it this far anyway. Five runs, 12 hits, no errors for them. Dennis Martinez went seven innings, gave up six runs, and he is a losing pitcher. Plunk finished up. Petrie, remember, only three and two-thirds innings for the Tigers. Doug Bear came on and got the win. He went three and a third, giving up four hits, didn't walk anybody, didn't strike out anybody either, but the defense made plays behind him. Willie Hernandez pitched the final two innings to get the save for those 84 Tigers. So next up, as we mentioned earlier, for the 84 Tigers, eventually they're going to get the 4 Red Sox, but we still have to get through the Elite Eight. We have to get you the 97 Marlins against the 83 Orioles. That's the five seed against the three seed. We'll be at 33rd Street Memorial Stadium in Baltimore to see what happens between those two teams as we are almost set now with our final four. The Throwback League has been so much fun to bring to you. Hopefully you found the website, thethrowbackleague.com. You can follow on Twitter as well, at thethrowbacklg. And I know it's getting late in the game to, to rally your friends to the cause here, but if you have a friend who's a, a fan of baseball from the 80s and 90s and double O's, make sure they know this thing exists. There's no reason you can't go back and listen to old ball games too. And if you're a fan of the Tigers, certainly, you love this music. You love the thought that somewhere out there, Sparky Anderson is smiling. Again, the 84 Tigers, not a team of superstars, a team of very good players. Guys that got consideration for the Hall of Fame, never quite got in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty much what they were all about. And obviously, that 35-5 and start put them in a very good place. So... Congratulations to the 84 Tigers. Bless you boys indeed. You're final again here at Michigan and Trumbull tonight. The 84 Tigers 7, the 95 Indians 5. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks again for listening.